Let's get here in Exodus 16. Uh, last week we finished chapter 15 and we had seen that they had come to Mara, which means bitterness. And uh, that water that they came to that, you know, after three days uh, they came to the water, they couldn't drink it. And remember we saw again they began to complain against Moses. And really in doing that we saw, and we'll see it again tonight, that they were complaining against the Lord. And in the midst of that, Moses called out to the Lord. He humbled his heart. He called out to the Lord. And boy, you can't go wrong doing that no matter what the situation is, what the circumstance is. And the Lord showed him a tree. And remember, he picked up that tree and he threw it, threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. And we talked about even, you know, some of the thoughts even behind the whole process there, what maybe made those waters bitter and the minerals and things in there and the, the you know, the tree perhaps acting as a, soft water system, yet all of it uh, practically was used for benefits for their health to prepare them for what lied ahead of them. But more than that, we were shown something there that, listen, in life there's going to be bitterness. There's going to be times when you're tempted to be bitter. And there's going to be times when people are bitter towards you. Maybe tonight there's some folks bitter towards you for maybe good reason or, you know, well, there's never a good reason to be bitter, but maybe they have reason that you need to go apologize or you know what it's just in their mind but we know that Jesus hung on that tree to make that way of salvation for us and we talked about that tree that was thrown in there and what's the tree that we're shown I mean what's the center of our faith it's it's Jesus Christ and it's the cross that he hung on for us and I just encourage you tonight if you need to throw in the tree if you need to throw in the cross and we've thrown the cross we remember look at I've been forgiven who am I to hold bitterness against someone else maybe I need to go talk to them or maybe I just need to let it go. But we need to look to the cross. And boy, that's where life's found. That's where abundant life's found, is looking to the Lord. And absolutely where that eternal life began for us through his death and resurrection. So tonight we see them journeying from Mara, And we see them, and I'll read it here in a second, going into the wilderness of sin, S-I-N. And that can't be good, right? So it says here in verse 1, they journeyed from Elim. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which was between Eliam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Now, you read this and perhaps you think wilderness of sin, and you think, again, associating sin with sin, but we got to remember these things are from the Hebrew into the English, and the word sin here really has no meaning. They don't know the meaning of it. It was just you know, an Egyptian village or area that had obtained that name. But one thing we do know is that when you get out into the wilderness, it is easy to sin. It is easy to grow bitter, as we looked at in the last chapter. And it's easy to complain, like we'll look at in the chapter tonight. And what we want to do, again, as we consider Mara, as we consider the wilderness of sin, even knowing that there's going to be times where we are there, whether in our walks with the Lord where it's feeling like a wilderness or it's a, you know, a dry season or it's just a wilderness that we've wandered into ourselves and getting our eyes off the Lord. Listen, these things are written for our learning and our example. We don't want to grow bitter and absolutely we don't want to move to complain because in all of this we've seen the Lord's faithfulness there to the children of Israel. And we've talked about the fact that we plan our ways but the Lord, he directs our steps. And if the Lord is directing our steps, if we begin to complain, ultimately, who are we, again, complaining against? It's the Lord himself. 
And we've got to remember that he is directing our steps, wanting to work a good work in our lives. So it says there in verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And again, notice here, it doesn't say part of the congregation. It doesn't say, you know, at half the congregation or three quarters, but the whole congregation. And we've already talked about the fact that there was probably between two and five million people, give or take a few million, out here in the wilderness. So, you know, it's the one thing to have a few people complaining against you, but could you, could you imagine five million complaining against you? Five million people, you know what, upset with you. Uh, five million people, and again, the whole congregation, and perhaps there's a few holdouts, and, you know, the whole congregation is talking more about the bulk, bulk of the folks, but pretty much throughout Scripture, and, you know what, in most instances in, in life, uh, going, around, going along with the crowd and popular opinion, uh, unfortunately, it's usually bad. And, you know, not always the case, but again, the whole congregation. And it's interesting, the whole congregation is complaining. And have you noticed in life that complaining, it's a lot like leaven, it spreads. It has a tendency, you know what, to grow legs and to multiply uh, it's interesting, in, in 1 Corinthians, it speaks about this. And if you look at this in its context, it even talks about malice here at the end of this verse in 1 Corinthians 5, and it talks about it in the context of leaven. He says, your glorying in verse 6 is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For Christ, indeed, our Passover was, sac- was sacrificed for us, Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven. Notice here, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And this is speaking, again, they had malice in their heart towards Moses. We'll see here in a minute, they're saying, you brought us out here to kill us. That's a pretty malicious statement. And we see here again in the first Corinthians, it being compared to a leaven that spreads and it will grow in the whole lump. And perhaps you're in a home where... Uh, there is a lot of complaining that takes place. That has a tendency to spread. Perhaps you're in a workplace where there's a lot of complaining that takes place. In fact, it's probably more the exception if you're in a workplace where there isn't a lot of complaining. And I would hope that you're not in a church where there's a lot of complaining. Because these things, absolutely, they take off. And we are ministering into other people's lives. And hopefully it's something that we are not ministering you know what, malicious intent and complaining or bitterness for that matter. And we saw last week there in Hebrews twelve fourteen, it says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. Notice, and by this many become defiled. And so again, we see in the scripture, malice being compared to leaven that spreads, being told to purge it out. And then we see here, Bitterness being something that, again, defiles many. It's a picture of it being spread. And ultimately with these things, all we can really do is go back to ourselves. And let me ask you tonight, and I encourage you to ask yourself the question, are you in a place where you are spreading the leaven of complaining, malice, and bitterness, or are you spreading the joy of the Lord through thanksgiving. We're told to give thanks in all things. Are you a person that 
tends to complain nonstop. Listen, that's not something that God has called you to. And it's interesting, we start talking about perhaps what we would call more weighty sins and the dangers of practicing them. But what are we practicing with our mouths? Do we practice thanksgiving or do we practice complaining? Now, this doesn't mean that we ignore situations. It doesn't mean, again, that there aren't things that are going to be irritating in life. Indeed, they are. But it's how we handle them that, you know what, makes the difference. And so tonight, I would encourage you, if you are in the place of spreading, complaining, as it was going on here through the congregation, through your home, just people, you know what, uh, it's time to repent from that. We need to lay it down. And indeed, I know myself, this is an area I want to grow in. Uh, there are times when I complain, full disclosure from the pulpit, you know, and I want to lay that down. I want to catch myself in that place. I want to remember, listen, when I'm doing that, ultimately I am complaining against the Lord. Because whatever I'm going through, he's allowing it to happen. Maybe it's a trial of correction. Maybe I'm in a place where I shouldn't be content because there's a lack of godliness. But instead of complaining, I need to get down on my knees and then be thankful that, Lord, you put up with a grumbler like me. Perhaps it's a situation where it's a trial of perfection. Maybe the Lord has just brought a thorn into your side. Someone to irritate you. Anyone got anyone like that in their life? And we have a, you know, a temptation to complain against them. But I know the Lord allowed a thorn to be in the side of Paul. It was a messenger of Satan sent there to buffet him that he would stay humble. And so if Paul began to complain about that, again, he'd be complaining against the Lord who had actually allowed that thorn to come to keep, them, keep him on his face, to keep him humble, that he would have a thankful heart. And so again, we need to look at this personally, and then we need to see what are we spreading. And I also know that oftentimes plagues in the scripture are stopped when someone steps up. And I think that we have the opportunity in the midst of complaining to begin to give thanks and by God's grace turn the tide in those situations. Now notice verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the pots of meat, and we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. Sin makes you very short-sighted. And listen, when we begin to complain, you know what we usher in? We usher in the flesh. We usher in the enemy. Really, you do. We do when we do that. God inhabits the praises of his people begin to complain again we're opening the door for foolishness to come in they begin to because of the complaint and it begins to spread they begin to lose sight of what they have been brought out of they're just remembering the pots of meat and the bread which probably happened on a rare occasion there in egypt because i guarantee you the egyptians weren't regularly feeding the slaves pots of meat and bread they had forgotten that they had been enslaved there for near 400 years and it cried out for a deliverer and the bible described it as an iron furnace and indeed the lord raised up moses as a type of christ to deliver them and we need to make sure that we remember again from where we were delivered it's easy at times especially when 
there's difficulty in our walks with Christ. And there's going to be times where there's trials and tribulations and persecutions. And we're tempted to complain in them, aren't we? To say, this isn't fair or woe is me. I am being persecuted or whatever the case would be. Listen, the Lord said we would. So why should we complain or faint when hap- what happens, the Lord says, would happen? Again, it unfolds. When that happens, though, we can have a tendency to begin to think, boy, it wasn't like this before. You know, I had it easy back then. I didn't have these situations to deal with back when I wasn't following the Lord. And even we can begin to glamorize our sin and begin to remember the temporary pleasure of sin because sin does bring a temporary pleasure. And we forget the bondage we were delivered from. The chastisement of our own sin that was one of the things that drove us to our knees to cry out for a deliverance from that iron furnace. It's very interesting, several times throughout, you know, at those first five books that Moses penned, we get this word, Deuteronomy 15, 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you, therefore I command you this thing today. And boy, when you remember you were a slave and the Lord redeemed you, all of a sudden it puts everything in perspective. Instead of complaining about a little bit of, you know, a difficulty, it gets you on your knees and you begin to praise Him and you begin to remember where you have been saved from. And when you remember where you're saved from, it also points you to where you're going. Now notice verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will reign from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not and so again the lord is going to bring a good thing he's going to bring a blessing and in part that blessing is going to be a test to them to see how they're going to handle that blessing he's going to literally bring bread from heaven and boy what a wonderful thing especially for five million hungry people that are complaining wouldn't you agree But that blessing, again, in part, is going to be a test. And we're going to see throughout this, it's a reminder to us that God blesses us. And again, when we are tempted to complain, we need to step back and count our blessings. And I love that phrase, count your blessings, because there are many that can be counted. And I just encourage you, if you don't practice counting your blessings, to begin to do that and begin to do it daily. And I'll tell you, it's a list that will continue to grow and grow and grow if you begin to practice that we want to count our blessings to give glory to god and we begin to count them again it brings thanksgiving and it begins to praise and then it will cause us to even take those blessings and use them in a manner to the glory of god but when we complain again we'll bury those talents and we will also fail those tests that god puts before us now again the people will go out and gather a certain quota every day and again he says i'll test them whether they'll walk in my law or not because we're going to see here in a minute that god told them listen just gather enough for the day on the sabbath you can gather twice as much and whatever you don't eat get rid of it or it's going to turn into worms and it's going to stink and so they've been called out to egypt and now they've been called to walk in the instruction of the lord it's really the same for us we've been called out of the world egypt being a picture of the world We've been saved through the shed blood of the Lamb. And now God's called us to walk in His instruction. And it's really a test for us practically. Are we going to walk in what the Lord has for us? Or are we going to say, no, my way is better? 
And we're going to see some of the things that they did that the Lord told them not to do. It didn't work out better for them. We'll see here that as a result, things stunk. It wasn't to their benefit. And so we want to learn from this tonight that our faith would grow to walk in the instruction of the Lord, to not question God's word even when he's calling us to do things that our flesh wants to push off because we're thinking my own way is better. Our way is never better than the Lord's way. Amen. Now notice verse 5, it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather. So the seventh day was the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. They were not to labor. They were not to gather at all. So he says on the Sabbath, or on the day before the Sabbath, you can double up. And God was going to do a miracle here. He was going to allow that manna to last the second day, because he wanted them to rest. And listen, whenever we come to the Sabbath in the scripture, we always want to emphasize that our Sabbath is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is absolutely our rest. When we came to Christ, we quit, we ceased trying to work our way to heaven, right? I mean, we rested in him. And absolutely, Jesus has given that call for us to come and rest in him. Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me, all you who, are la- who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is part of following the instruction of the Lord. Because when we start getting into the Sabbath, especially in this day we're living in right now, it seems like there's this big push to say we're saved through Jesus plus the Sabbath. And the Sabbath doesn't save. Jesus saves. Resting in Him. That's where our salvation is found. Colossians 2, 16, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is Christ. And so he wanted them resting on the Sabbath because it was a shadow of the substance, Jesus Christ. They wanted them, God wanted them to cease from labor and rest on that day, and it was a shadow eventually of Jesus who would live a life without sin. He would do the work for us, go to the cross, resurrect from the grave, then when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, now we're permanently rested in him. The work is done through the work of Jesus. We are saved. We are born again. We are saved by grace through faith in what he has done for us, and we cease from trying to work our way to heaven. Now, we want to go absolutely and walk in the newness of life, but that doesn't save us. He saves us, and so this was important that they got this. The Lord was trying to paint a picture for them, a shadow of the substance that was to come. Verse 6, Then Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you shall know the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, This shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening, and the morning bread to the, to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. And again, how glorious. They're in a place where they are hungry. And yet that night there would be enough meat to feed five million folks through the quail that would come. And in the morning there would be a bread that would continue for the, every day for the next 40 years that would feed these people. And again... It wasn't just for a day, but day in and day out for 40 years. That's a glorious thing, is it not? And yet, they would lose sight of it. Let's not lose sight of the glory of God even today. The sun came up today, did it not? And I imagine 
it's setting about right now. We have breath on our lungs today. We have water to drink today. We're clothed today. The Lord's giving opportunity for the unbeliever to repent today. His promises today are yes and amen. He gathers us, gathered us together tonight to praise Him, to worship Him. Listen, the glory of the Lord is all around us. All we have to do is look. But notice here, Moses also makes it a point. He says, you're going to see the glory of the Lord, but you need to know, listen, these complaints that you're making, they're not against me. They're against the Lord. And the Lord hears those complaints. I wrote on my notes, ouch. Especially when we are a people that outside of Christ, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. And we came into the world naked and we're leaving naked. We came with nothing and we're leaving with nothing. I've asked the question many a time and the answer has always been the same. When your baby was born, did they come out of the womb with a bag of money? They didn't. They came out with a bill in their hands from the doctor, but not with a bag of money. They just put it right in their hand, you know, when they came out. We came with nothing, and we leave with nothing, and everything on your back right now is a gift from God. He didn't have to give us that. Gathering in a building tonight, it's a gift from God. So on and so forth. And so who are we to complain about him when he's provided all of these things, and more than that, he laid down his life to give us eternal life. So much of this is about perspective, and I just pray that tonight we remember when we're complaining, the Lord's hearing. And like Moses said, it's not against me, not against Aaron, not against Miriam over here. It's against the Lord. Verse 9, then Moses spoke to Aaron and say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked towards the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel Speak to them, saying, at, tw at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Come near, for he's heard your complaints. But notice as they come near, we see the mercy of God providing for them versus smiting them. And I thought about this. He's so merciful to hear their complaints, in this case, and still provide for them. How much more when we humble our hearts before the Lord and we cry out to him in humility and faith does he hear us. He's a pretty awesome God. I mean, you talk about the grace of God. Think about all the complaining we've done in our life. I'll give you a lot of time here to think about it now. There's a lot, is there not? We, we live in a complaining culture. And he's so merciful to us. He's so good to us. How many times, again, even in our complaints, how many times have you complained about something? I can think of so many times in my own life when I complained about something and then God provided for me. We all can. Sometimes maybe in the midst of our complaint, the Lord brought a provision. Did we turn around and thank him? Did we ask for forgiveness? And again, if he is so gracious and so merciful to provide for us even when we complain because he's answering their complaint here it's an amazing thing again how much the more when we humble our hearts we're the lord willing going to be here pretty soon 
in James on Sunday morning, but James 5.16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Their complaining availed something. It's not that they were commended for it. It's more of a picture of God's grace and mercy. And again, take inventory. I, I can of my own life, again, as I already said, how many times have you complained? And the Lord's, you know what? You know, you're complaining in line and they're like, hey, you're up next. Oh boy, you know, whatever. It, it happens all the time. What a picture of his grace and mercy, but what an encouragement should be for us to say, listen, instead of complaining, let me humble my heart and pray according to the Lord's will of thanksgiving. And then much will be availed. Verse 13. So, so it was that the quails came upon at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And with a layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So the quail came at night. That's the meat that the Lord provided for them. So we know that was already referenced. And then in the morning, again, the dew is there. And the Lord brings a miracle. Again, on the surface of the wilderness, there's this, they didn't even know what it was. Again, manna, what is it? It's a round substance. And it says it was fine as frost on the ground. But think about it. Whether there was 2 million people or 5 million people, that's a lot of manna. That's a lot of provision the Lord brought there especially if it's as fine as frost. And we'll read here in a minute, they were to gather an omer each, which is basically 2.2 liters. So think about a two-liter Coke bottle full of manna for each person every day. God providing it every day for 40 years. Amazing. Fifth, verse 15, so when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is it? And that's what they called it. It was like a whatchamacallit, but they called it, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And you know, you think about it. That first meal, they had to be incredibly thankful. They complained. The Lord called them near. He didn't smite them. But he provided for them meat. He provided for them, again, this manna the next day, the bread of the Lord. And there had to have been thanksgiving over that. And you'd hope that Though we don't read it recorded, there was prayer. You know, the scripture talks about us being thankful for each meal. I know sometimes we can kind of just get in a habit of praying, but are we really thanking him for that meal, or are we just doing it out of a routine or whatnot? But I think in 1 Timothy 4, 4, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer let's be a people that thank him for each meal amen to sanctify it with prayer and the word of god you know sanctify it say i want to set this apart i want to make this dish that i'm about to eat this donut that i'm about to consume i want to make it holy by praying over it maybe opening the bible and reading a bible verse as i partake of this acknowledging the lord and giving glory and of course as we talk about again bread which the lord has given we think about what jesus said in matthew 1 5 man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of god and as much as we thank him for the meals that we eat boy all the more we need to thank him for the word of god 
And we need to understand the nourishing of our soul is even of much more importance than the nourishing of these bodies. Verse 16, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each, each one's need, one omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. So listen, the Lord didn't want them hoarding, but instead trusting. He wanted them building their faith in the Lord, not in the manna vault. He didn't want them to say, okay, well, you know what? There's a lot of enemies around us, so you know what? We need to stock up these two liters of manna because we don't know what's going to happen to us. But in this case, he wanted them daily trusting the Lord to provide for them. So he says, each day, go gather your two liter of manna and you have it for the day. And then you do it for the next day. And on the sixth day, you can do four liters of manna or 4.4 liters so that you have it. And again, this isn't a command that says we can't have savings and those Proverbs talks about stocking things up and so forth. But let's make sure our faith isn't in our bank account. Make sure your faith isn't in your pantry. Make sure your faith isn't in your bomb shelter or whatever else it is. But first and foremost, it's in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was trying to teach them there. He was trying to teach them to trust in him, that he'd provide for them daily. So, you know what, when they would go into Canaan, they would have faith in the Lord that he was going to open the doors and give them victory. And in these trials that we go through that we're tempted to complain, we need to remember, listen, the Lord is allowing this to stretch me, to grow me, to watch him provide that all the more I trust in him. And boy, you learn to trust in him in the small things, then you can begin you know what, to be led into bigger steps of faith to see Lord even providing in bigger ways. Verse 17, then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So, so when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much had nothing left over and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Paul writing to those in Corinth, he used this verse right here as an exhortation to the church of those with excess helping those that have needs. So that as a body, we minister to one another even practically and with our gifts so that there's no one with any lack. Notice 2 Corinthians 8.13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burden, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. As it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. And we need to know as followers of Christ, when the Lord blesses us with an abundance, listen, the first reason for that blessing is not that we would hoard that and keep that all for ourselves and go put it in our little corner over here. But first and foremost, it would be to honor him, you know, with our first fruits. And absolutely, it would be to honor him by sharing with others and ministering to one another. And so we need to keep that in our hearts and in our minds. And again, will we walk in the instruction of the Lord in those things? Or instead, will we say, no, I'm not going to do that or even complain against the call to do that? And this is where sometimes, listen, there is a, it is true, who, to whom much is given, much is required. And we need to take that to heart. What are we doing with the Lord has blessed us with? 
Now, verse 19, he says, it says that Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. But notice verse 20, notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So again, he was trying to teach them, don't leave it till morning. Take what you need for the day and then either give it away or throw it out. But if you hoard it, Again, it's going to spoil on you. And this is what we read happened. The morning came and the manna stanketh. And notice Moses, Moses was angry about it. And it was a righteous anger. This wasn't Moses throwing a tantrum or, again, Moses complaining in a righteous way. But it was a, an, an anger in the sense that these people complained against God. God provided for them. And yet they still didn't obey him. And this implies more of a grieving, you know what, about the sin because of the stank that it brought into the camp than Moses being upset because he didn't get his way or something like that. Listen, there should be times in our own life where there is an anger about our own actions, but let's not make that cause us to sin, but instead to respond in a, appropriate way we don't want to be so apathetic when things that you know it should get a stir and get attention we just shrug our shoulders to it but absolutely at the other hand we want to respond in a biblical way and not let anger move into us complaining and stumbling us and then again that leaven break out and a domino effect of it just spreading out and by it many becoming defiled 21 so they gathered it every morning and every man according to his need. And when the sun became hot, it melted. So again, God provided for them. But notice here, they needed to get up early in the morning and gather it. There's a real balance here. Absolutely, God wants to supply the need. But there are times, again, when some refuse to get up and go gather who have the ability to be able to go and do that. And when that is the case, listen, they can go get their own manna. There's a balance in it, absolutely. There's some folks that want to gather the manna and they can't. And there's other people that say, I want to find a place where I can go gather the manna, but I can't find one. Big difference between the two, right? But when there are individuals who can get up and go gather it and they refuse to, we are not called then to enable them by saying, well, let me go get you two liters of manna. And again, we're in a culture right now that is wanting to appease to that mindset of course they don't say well let me give you my manna they say well let me go take his manna over there then i'll give you his manna and then i'll be happy about that i can pat myself on the back because i stole his manna and i gave his manna to you god provided it but they had to get up and go get it proverbs nineteen twenty four: a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much bring it up to his mouth again so the manna was out there but they had to go out and gather it up and if you have the ability to go gather it and you refuse and you want someone else to go gather it for you because you've had that mindset, that's not of the Lord. God's created us to work and to go out and to, you know, at labor for those things. Again, it's different if, if there is no work or you can't. We're not talking about that. But absolutely, he provided, but they needed to get up. It doesn't say, you know what, they woke up and 
manna was on there, prepared on a plate right on their chest so they could sit there and eat their honey wafers there in their tent or whatever. It's like, you got to go up and go get it. And if you don't want to get it, then you're going to be hungry today. Verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. So again, 4.4 liters. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. (coughs) Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourself all that remains to be kept until morning. So they laid up till morning and Moses commanded and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then the Lord said, eat that today for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it on the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So notice here again, the people go out and they gather twice as much, and the leaders snitch on them to Moses. They didn't pay attention, did they, to the word of the Lord. And so it's important, especially, listen, where you're going to lead, that you're being led by the word of God, because they weren't being led by the word of God, they were being led by themselves thinking, you know, these are unruly people here. What are they doing now? And they didn't take to mind that the Lord told them to gather double on that day. So again, Moses defended them saying, hey, they're doing what the Lord has said. And I love the fact that Moses stood in the gap. And, you know, these people have been complaining. He could have said, well, I want the leaders to stay on my side. So yeah, let's look into this. And hey, you guys didn't read the word right. He didn't do that. He had integrity. He said, listen, they're doing what God told them to do. And again, notice here, God kept the man afresh an extra day as he took that step of faith. He provided for them. His ways are better. So they could honor the Sabbath. And in honoring the Sabbath, it was a shadow of the substance to come, Jesus Christ. And whether they knew it or not, in honoring the Sabbath, they were being pointed towards the ultimate rest in Jesus. And in that way, the gospel was even being preached through this whole situation. Verse 27, now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. You know, you could have predicted that, right? <laughs> I only got my two leaders. Oh, well, I need to go gather some. And in that way, you know, you can say they took for granted the provisions of God. They just thought, you know what, well, you know what, I'm only going to get this much for today, so of course that will be there tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds, do we? We just study that in James. You know what? Who are we to say tomorrow I'm going to go do this and that and go to a city and make a profit? He says, you don't even know if you have tomorrow. And so let's not take it for granted the provisions God's given to us. Let's not take for granted this day that he's given to us. If he gives us tomorrow, let's not take it for granted. Let's serve the Lord tomorrow. Let's not take it for granted being a complaining people, but a people of thanksgiving. And use that day, the rest of the day set before us to serve the Lord because the day is coming when we're not going to have any more days and we're going to give an account. Our time of stewardship will come to an end and our accounts will be tallied, so to speak, and what we did in the newness of life and the gifts and talents that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, this night, if you don't know the Lord, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Maybe you've been putting them off. You've been considering, but you've been putting them off. Today's the day of salvation. And tonight's tonight, you need to call upon the Lord. I encourage you to do it right now. Humble your heart and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Turn from whatever your Lord is and put faith in Him. Because indeed, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <clears throat> 28, <laughs> we're getting close to being done here. It says, the Lord said to Moses, 
How long do you refuse to keep the commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath. <coughs> Excuse me. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. And so again, some didn't. God reiterated, listen, why do you keep refusing my commandments? He's showing them my ways are better. Gather what you need for the day. If you don't, it's going to turn into worms and it's going to stink. When we do things our own way, boy, you're happy for a while, right? Because you think I got all this manna. But what is outside of God's will, it, it stinks eventually, does it not? Since pleasurable for a season, then you know what happened? It stinks. It brings forth death and death stinks. And then again, on the other hand, they, they, they thought, well, the next day I can just go gather it. And nothing stank the next day, but it was empty. And when we do things our own way, we're going to find emptiness and we're going to find something that stanketh, no matter what the situation is. And so we want the Lord to build our faith and we need our faith built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We're in the word of God tonight in part that our faith will be built. And I hope your faith is being built. I hope our faith is being built to give thanksgiving more and to crucify complaining. And our faith is being built to, again, trust him. He's provided for our needs to this point, has he not? I mean, we're all sitting here. Verse 30. So the people rested on the seventh day, and the house of Israel called its name Manah. Or <clears throat> what is it? And it was like a white coronered corn, seed, coronered seed, corn, or seed, whatever. You see what it is? It's a seed. I got to verse 30. I didn't have time to look up how to pronounce it. So don't go home and complain against me. And the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. I did, though, look up this type of seed, and it's interesting. It's, familiar, it's similar to a parsley or a cilantro, but it tasted, again, like wafers made with honey. But it's interesting, that type of seed, it's an, it's an antioxidant. It, it's loaded. I mean, this would be like taking vitamins. Loaded with iron, copper, calcium, uh, potassium, magnesium, zinc, magnesium i've said that already um, but unlike other seeds it's loaded with uh vitamin b and vitamin c and so this was something that this wasn't like crackers and you know what chicken and a biscuit out here they were eating this was healthy for them this provided for them this sustained them god was giving them something here of substance Something that absolutely nourished their body and, and uh, again, full of essential oils and all sorts of stuff. Helping with digestive matters, full of fiber. It's an incredible seed that, uh, you know, that they compared it to. So if it was like that, no doubt what the Lord was brought was like that, but even better. Verse 32. Then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it. To be kept for your generation, that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a pot and put an omer of manna in it. 
and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And we know later on it was put into the Ark of the Covenant with a copy of the law and Aaron's rod that budded. And why was it done? It was to be a testimony and a witness to their children. Listen, the Lord was providing for them, but he wanted them to teach their children. God will provide for you too. And listen, if you want, to, if you want your kids to be secure, and start thinking about most, most of life is people running around trying to find security. You really think it through. That's what most people are doing. They're, they're trying to find security in something, whether it's a, a job or a, you know, at a position or you know, in a community, in their home. People are running around trying to find security. Because when man sinned in the garden, he walked out from the security of the Lord and it was put in him and he knew, i got to find security. And people are running around doing that. And boy, listen, you want your kids to be secure? Then anchor them in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. And speak to them of the Word of God and God's provision for his people and how he has sustained you and ingrain that in them that witness that he has shown to you ingrain it in them and this is why he wanted them to do this verse 35 and the children of israel ate manna 40 years until they came into the inhabited land they ate manna until they came to the border of the land of canaan now an omer for all of you you know what uh Fax people here, an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So, <laughs> make sure you keep note of that there. An omer is one-tenth of an ephah. You might, you might, that, that information might come in handy tomorrow. But again, even in that, God has a purpose in it, you know? Just seeing how God, again, provided. But again, for 40 years, until, again... It was literally until they came to the border of Canaan. You, will, you read about that later on. God sustained them every day, every day, until he brought them to the place of saying, listen, we're going we're gonna to take you off the honey wafers now, and we're going to graduate you into the land of milk and honey. So we're going to start you with bread, and then we're going to bring you in to meat. And it's amazing how he provides and is so good to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. We just thank you for this time to worship you tonight. We thank you for your word. We just thank you for our, your provisions, God, that you give to us, Lord. And Lord God, I pray that you would forgive us, forgive me, God, for our complaining tongues, Lord. Oh, Lord, I just pray, God, that we would remember that when we complain, it's against the Lord and you hear. Let our faith be built, God, that we would be a people of thanksgiving, a people that count our blessings. Lord, when there are situations, God, that need to be addressed, we won't address it with complaining, but we'll address it in prayer. We'll address those things with biblical action and by your grace, do it in love. We just thank you again for all that you've provided for us. You are so good to us, God. We thank you for this glorious account here in the scriptures that you have given to us to learn from. And again, tonight as we close, listen, I hope we all know the Lord here tonight. And if you know him, you are blessed. I am blessed that I know the Lord. But if you don't know him, listen, again, today's a day of salvation. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. Because only Jesus dealt with the issue of sin that separates us from a holy God. But he stands ready to wash you and cleanse you and forgive you. And be the Lord of your life. 
Bend knee to him. Ask him into your life tonight. Ask him to be the Lord of your life. Again, that means something. That means you're asking him to be the Lord of your life. Above all. And he'll begin a good work in you and he'll be faithful to complete it. Bless the rest of our night. We thank you, Lord, and pray all these things in Jesus' name. And we said together, amen. God bless you.